to follow Danny Elliott's amazing feats this morning. I'm going to juggle a bowling ball, a sword, and a torch, all while riding a unicycle for your enjoyment this morning. No, I'm not. Trust me, I'm not. I'm not that amazing. You may have been wondering, how's he going to follow Danny with that amazing feat, but I'm not going to be doing anything like that. Hopefully, I can bless you with a good message this morning. Um, But 2020 was a year that introduced us all to a lot of questions, didn't it, that we uh, likely never imagined that we would be asking when it started. And now, as we are a few weeks into 2021, it seems as though uh, that reality is only intensifying as we collectively and continually seem to have to ask, what's next? How much longer will all of this go on? Perhaps some mornings you're waking up saying, am I going to make it to lunch? And perhaps you're asking, where is God in all this? Well, this morning, it's been mentioned, we're concluding our series in the book of Habakkuk, which is a book with its own share of questions. Habakkuk opens with the prophet being a man full of questions and confused by what he was seeing and experiencing in the world around him at his time. How long, O Lord, am I going to have to cry out to you? Why aren't you doing anything about the things that are wrong and unjust and seemingly not in line with who you are? And then as we went through, we saw that things went from bad to worse for Habakkuk as God responded to his questions, revealing a plan that shook the prophet and confused him even further. The Lord would deal with the sin and wickedness Habakkuk was crying out against in his own nation of Judah by sending an even more unrighteous and wicked people, the Babylonians, to invade Judah. Nothing was going as Habakkuk would have wanted, chosen, or imagined. He is full of questions and is confused over what's happening in his world. But as the book closes, as Steph just read, Habakkuk's questions and confusion have been completely replaced by a strong confidence in God as his sovereign Lord. Listen to verse 17 again. Though the fig tree does not bud, And there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and yields no produce, no food. Though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. How did this man, full of questions and confusion, transform to one who could look at the loss of comfort, security, and stability with a strong confidence in the Lord? Because in essence, that's what his words were saying. He was in an agrarian society, and his words were looking at complete economic disaster and upheaval for him and for his nation. How could he do that? Well, the answer lies in what precedes these verses in the final chapter of Habakkuk. Because what was just read to us is the end of a prayer by Habakkuk in which he has been led to a radical reorientation of his perspective on his circumstances. His perspective on things has been decisively changed. 
And Habakkuk's experience is instructive for us as we find ourselves immersed in a world that often does not make sense to us, especially so since March of last year. Whether it's we're struggling with some form of injustice, some decline of morality that we see around us, a fearful loss of comfort, security, and stability in this ongoing pandemic. Like Habakkuk, our questioning of God in confusion can be transformed into a strong confidence even in the most difficult and darkest of circumstances. Now you might be wondering how this could happen. I mean, can simply having a positive outlook that expects better days ahead sustain and stabilize us when our hearts are racked by questions, frustrations, and confusing fear? It's not self-help, as Danny said earlier. There has to be, and there is, a more solid and sure point by which to navigate when we find ourselves in danger of being overwhelmed by all that life throws at us. And the answer lies in reorienting our perspective to view our present and our, our future in light of the Lord's powerful and merciful acts of deliverance in the past, as we sang about in our kid spot this morning. Our questioning of God and our confusion can be transformed into a strong confidence in Him when we approach life in this way. And so we'll be examining Habakkuk's prayer more closely and it will lead us to understand how our perspective can be reoriented as his was. But before we do that, I think it's appropriate for us to pray. Uh, it's implicit that Habakkuk was a man of prayer and if we want anything good to happen of what the Lord wants to have happen in this moment, we should seek him in prayer. So let's pray together before we continue. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are with us now in this moment. We thank you for your word. We thank you that you spoke your word to your prophets long ago, and we thank you that it can speak to our hearts today, millennia later. Father, we pray that you would open our eyes. We pray that you would soften our hearts, that you would begin the process of transforming our questions, our confusion into a strong confidence in you as you reveal yourself to us and your ways through your word. And so we commit this time to you in the name of Jesus and for his kingdom's sake. Amen. So how can this happen for us like it happened for Habakkuk? Well, first, like Habakkuk, we can confidently look to God to act now and in the future in light of his powerful acts of deliverance in the past. And so this first line of Habakkuk's prayer in verse 2 makes it clear that he had an expectation that God would act in Habakkuk's present and future in ways similar to how he had done in the past for the people of Israel. Look again at verse 2, the first part. He says, Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. God's powerful acts of deliverance had not been forever lost to history in the mind of Habakkuk, nor were they merely theological fairy tales or religious fables. He had come to know and celebrate God's powerful interventions in history, particularly in redeeming Israel from the yoke of slavery in Egypt. And 
Habakkuk looked back on these mighty acts and through them looked up to God with not only a sense of awe, but also with a hope and expectation. Because he continues and says, repeat them. Repeat them in our day. In our day, make them known. In our time, in, in wrath, remember mercy. In the midst of his questions and confusion, Habakkuk's eye of faith begins to turn, to be reoriented to the work of God in the past, and it moves his heart to cry out, Lord, do it again. We need you to intervene now in our time. Now Habakkuk knew the imminent invasion of Babylon, the context for all this, and the horror it would bring was part of God's righteous anger. It was part of his wrath against the sins of Judah that Habakkuk had been crying out against in the beginning of the book. But redemptive history had shaped Habakkuk's heart and his thinking to know that what the Lord was doing was just that he must and he will deal, deal with sin, but he could look back and know that God is also merciful and acts to deliver and to redeem. And so, without questioning God's integrity and in judging sin, Habakkuk could appeal to the very same God who had mercifully delivered his people in the past. And so he cried out, In wrath, remember mercy. Habakkuk could confidently look to God to act in his present circumstances and in the future in light of his powerful acts of deliverance in the past. Habakkuk could confidently ask God to do it again. And this was the first movement of his perspective being reoriented and his confusion being transformed to confidence. And the same can be true for us in our battles with question and confusion and circumstances that rattle our very soul. Now, how can we know what God is going to do in the future with, with any certainty? In what ways would you expect Him to operate? I don't think any of us would attempt to predict with any uh, definity what awaits us all in 2021 as. It unfolds over the next 11 and a half months. I mean, history in general and 2020 in particular uh, taught us that lesson far too effectively, hasn't it? But there's another perspective on history and God's activity in it and in our lives. And that is what we saw in Habakkuk just now, that the Lord always acts and intervenes in the world and in our lives in a manner that is consistent with who he is. It is why Habakkuk cried out with his questions to God in the first place. It didn't make sense with who he knew God to be. It is why the Lord was sending Babylon in Habakkuk's day in response to Judah's great sin. And ultimately, it is why Habakkuk could also appeal to the Lord in his mercy. There is a pattern and a rhythm to how God works in history and in our lives that Habakkuk had come to know. And be reminded of. And as you and I face questions and confusion as he did, be encouraged and challenged to remember who God is and why he acts. Immerse 
your thinking and how he acts throughout all the pages of biblical history and in the turmoil of turbulence of life as we know it now, let your heart also cry to him, mercy, have mercy. Because we can confidently look to God to act now and in the future in light of his powerful acts of deliverance in the past. Our questioning of God and our confusion about this life can be transformed into a strong confidence in him. No matter what happens, we can also have confidence that the Lord is intent on the merciful deliverance of his people. God acted mercifully in the past, and we can have confidence that he's intent on doing that. The bulk of Habakkuk's prayer brings in and recalls themes, places, and events associated with Israel's exodus from Egypt. And as they're traced, there's a steady cadence and movement of God toward a particular end that reaches its climax in verse 13. The prayer opens by evoking the time of God's meeting with them at Mount Sinai. That's the significance of those geographical locations of, of Taman and Mount Paran. They're associated with that area, Mount, Mount Sinai. And that's where God entered into covenant with them and gave them his law. It says God came from Taman, the Holy One, from Mount Paran. His glory covered the heavens and his praise filled the earth. His splendor was like the sunrise, rays flashed from his hand where his power was hidden. God's power had been revealed in history in this remote area of wilderness in the Sinai, but it's saying that his glory and praise would extend to fill all of creation. See, Habakkuk looked back on that moment, and he saw it as an event with far-reaching implications through space in time. Now, the opening of his prayer in this way sets the tone not only for the rest of the prayer that will carry this through, but also for the change of perspective that will transform Habakkuk's questioning to confidence. See, because as the prayer continues on, it goes further back, alluding to events in Egypt, the superpower of that time, which was brought to its knees through the power of God. Look at verse 5. It says, plague went before him. Pestilence followed his steps. Remember the plagues that God brought upon Egypt. He stood and shook the earth. He looked and made the nations tremble. The ancient mountains crumbled and the age-old hills collapsed. But he marches on forever. Again, the reference to plague and and pestilence calls to our minds what took place in delivering Israel from slavery in Egypt. But God's movement and march toward his intended ends in history are also accompanied by displays of his power and his judgment. It was true with Egypt. Now in Habakkuk's day, it was proving true for Judah. And it would also prove true for Babylon who was coming to invade. In Habakkuk's prayer, even those things that epitomize and symbolize permanence, power, stability, the, the earth, the nations, the ancient mountains, the hills, it says they shake 
and crumble like a house of cards as God marches toward his purpose. He cannot and he will not be stopped. The cadence in Habakkuk's prayer is quickening and God's movement toward his intended end builds. In verse 13, we're getting there. As we come to verses 8 through 12, God is then seen as this warrior whose arsenal includes all the elements of nature. I'm actually going to pick it up in verse 9 where it says, You uncovered your bow. <clears throat> you called for many arrows. You split the earth with rivers. The mountains saw you and writhed. Torrents of water swept by the, the deep roared and lifted its waves on high. God is seen as a warrior, that the elements of nature are like his bow. And again, the scenes from the events of the, evident, of the Exodus come out in language and word pictures that Habakkuk's employing here. He is clearly calling to mind the parting of the Red Sea and the destruction of the armies of Egypt as the waters flowed back over them, as God was sovereignly in control of all these things. He goes on, and you think of Joshua as he speaks of the sun and the moon standing still, also pointing to the conquest of the promised land. In verse 11, sun and moon stood still in the heavens at the glint of your flying arrows, at the lightning of your flashing spear. In wrath you strode through the earth, and in your anger you threshed the nations. See, the book of Habakkuk started with a prophet questioning how long he would need to wait. How long would he need to wait before God acted in justice and in wrath? And now in his own prayer, he has been led to acknowledge how God, like a mighty warrior, had repeatedly responded powerfully and decisively in this way in history. God had not changed nor did he need to. But Habakkuk's perspective and his view of events was changing. And throughout all of this redemptive history that Habakkuk's prayer encompasses, the Lord had been steadily moving toward his intended goal as it reaches its climax in verse 13. He said, all of this was because you came out <clears throat> to deliver your people to save your anointed one. Habakkuk's initial complaint against the Lord essentially amounted to a somewhat bitter and confused, God, where are you? And in all honesty, over the last 12 months or even beyond, perhaps we have woken up in the morning with those words in our mind as we think about things and events that are happening and crying out to God, God, where are you? God, how long? God, how much more? But his prayer's quick review of history had reminded him that God's mighty acts and powerful deeds had accomplished the merciful deliverance of his people in the past. He would do it again. And Habakkuk's prayer also alluded to an anointed one, a Messiah, a rescuing king. From the perspective of the Old Testament, it is this king in whom all the hopes and expectations of deliverance, of justice, and peace find their fulfillment. It is in Jesus 
and the cross upon which he died as a sacrifice for the sins of the world, that we see the ultimate reply to the words of Habakkuk's request, in wrath, remember mercy. We'll come back to that in just a moment. But Habakkuk, at the end of this prayer, is deeply moved and and physically impacted, the language tells us, by the severity and and magnitude of, of his words that he just prayed. In verse 16, he says, I heard and my heart pounded. My lips quivered at the sound. Decay crept into my bones and my legs trembled. But notice the shift now. Yet I will wait patiently. Before he was questioning, now I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation invading us. He knew that difficult and dark days lay ahead for himself and the rest of his people. Circumstances would not immediately change. But he had come to see them from a different perspective. He had moved from questions and confusion to a position of confidence that no matter what was happening, God was intent on the merciful deliverance of his people. Habakkuk had changed from a man impatient for God to act to one who could wait patiently even as disaster seemed imminent. And so no matter what happens, like Habakkuk, we can have a confidence that the Lord is intent on the merciful deliverance of his people. God is intent on delivering his people because we can confidently look to how God acted in the past to speak into how we view our present and our future. Because of how he acted in the past, we can have confidence now. Our confusion, our questions, no matter what the circumstances, can be transformed now. And so we come back to where we started We come back to the end, the conclusion of Habakkuk's prayer and listen to it again now and filter these words through our own experiences in life and over the last year. Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, Though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength, and he makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. Habakkuk's perspective has indeed been changed. It has been completely transformed from confusion to confidence. But how can we look back and have our perspective in the present and for our future reoriented? How can we move from questions to confidence and a a, a strong confidence in God? What mighty acts of deliverance has he accomplished 
for us. And it's in looking to Jesus that we find our answer. Because it was on another mountain, not Sinai, but on a hill called Calvary, that God's steady march to mercifully deliver came to its climax. On the cross of Jesus, the wrath and the mercy of God met, and the moment was marked by displays of God's power and glory similar to Sinai. Do you remember? Darkness covered the earth as Jesus suffered. The earth itself shook as the Son of God died. And at the cross, God had once again powerfully broken into history to deliver his people from the bondage of sin and the fear of death through faith in Jesus as our Savior and Lord. And so, in light of the cross... God's mighty deliverance for us. Our hearts can be transformed as Habakkuk was. Habakkuk's was. From confusion to a strong confidence in the Lord, knowing that our future and our present are strong and secure in Him. And so what will that mean? How will that show up in our lives today and tomorrow in this week? And it's clear from what Habakkuk experienced as he was transformed. Even when confronted with the specter of, of, uh, of loss and uncertainty and turmoil that life won't necessarily change for the better in the near future, we can rejoice in Him and be joyful in our Savior. When you feel weak and overwhelmed when lockdowns come and go and come again, when you just don't know if you can keep doing this. You can declare that the sovereign Lord is your strength. Continually keep your eyes fixed on Jesus as the author of the book of Hebrews writes that you may not grow weary and lose heart. Because as our series in Habakkuk uh, comes to an end, I have to confess that my heart has been challenged. I hope yours has. And my faith perspective has been stretched, and at times uncomfortably so. And this week, as I was reflecting, my heart was uh, drawn to the Apostle Paul's words in the book of Romans. And as Paul considered the magnitude and majesty of God's merciful deliverance through the cross of Jesus for us, he too had some questions. But Paul's were far different to Habakkuk's and likely very different to our own, at least to mine, lately sometimes. But they're an appropriate conclusion to our series. And so listen to Paul's words in Romans chapter 8. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation 
will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Our questioning of God, our confusion over the circumstances of life, it can be transformed into a strong confidence in Him. How? By allowing Him to reorient our perspective to view what's going on around us now and what we expect to come in future in the light of the Lord's powerful and merciful acts of deliverance in the past. And we can have confidence that the Lord will indeed remember mercy. Let's pray. Oh Lord, our hearts do cry out to you. Father, we pray for forgiveness. I pray for forgiveness for the time that our, times that our perspective does not reflect a confidence in you based upon how you have acted, not only in history, but in our lives. You have been good to us in many ways. Incline our hearts to be thankful, to trust you, to look to you, to know that much of what goes on in this world is a result of sin in this world. But Lord, we also know that as your wrath is poured out, your judgment comes out. Lord, also your mercy is evident all around us. As we look to the cross, especially, we see the wrath and the mercy of God meet. Lord, may we stand in awe of that deed. May the cross of Jesus and all that it means and can mean for us as individuals and as a people begin to transform our questioning, our confusion into a strong confidence in you. Thank you, God, that no matter the circumstances, no matter what may come our way, that this can be true of us. Thank you that our hearts can learn to trust in you, knowing that you are intent on the merciful deliverance of your people. And so, Lord, this week, I'm sure we will feel weak. This week, I'm sure there will be questions. There will be temptations to bitterness. Lord, immerse us in your word. Help us to come into your presence through prayer and allow you to do your gracious and merciful work in us to fix our eyes on Jesus, and to transform our hearts to trust in you, to have a strong confidence in you, that no matter what the coming weeks, months, and years may hold, we can rejoice and be joyful in God our Savior. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen.